Welcome into the Illini cast and what a big weekend it was for Illini football. They defeated Minnesota off of the arm of not Luke Altmeyer, but Haddock. He came in, final three plays, went three for three and led the Illini to a scoring drive. Wow. Sonny and I admittedly were both at weddings this Saturday, so we had to rewatch the game. But I was following along on GameCast, and I saw Haddock is in, and I had no idea how long he was in at that point. I was like, wait, I saw, thought Luke Goldmeyer was in the first half. Was this like an entire second half thing? Then I researched the stats after the game while I was at the wedding reception. And I was like, he only threw three passes? He was he was the la- final drive? Sonny, I am speechless. As am I. Uh, similar to you, I had the phone playing, or I had the game playing on my uh, cell phone while speeches were going on at a wedding. So I didn't even realize that it was Paddock in until I saw the Paddock graphic show up and I had to zoom. I'm like, wait a minute, that wasn't Luke. So I didn't realize that he had gotten out of the game. But man, I mean, usually we're on the other end of this. You know, usually we give up a last minute touchdown, a last minute field goal. And here you and I are recording our game review episode in a somber mood. It's really nice being on the opposite end this time, man. You know, truth be told, it outside a stupid Johnny Newton penalty, we've had a really good team three weeks in a row. And I think this is kind of the team that you and I were kind of envisioning coming into the season. Not a perfect team, maybe not as uh, the 10 and 9 win team that you and I uh, were originally projecting, but a good football team that could compete with anyone in the Big Ten West. And uh, it's just, it's nice and it's, a little special nice because it was against P.J. Fleck. I mean, Brett Bielema still undefeated against the Minnesota Golden Gophers at 10-0 and and when three straight against the Gophers with P.J. Fleck at the helm. I mean, this is just an unbelievable owning. Like, it, it, Minnesota's got to feel like, what do we got to do? Like, this is just feels impossible to beat Brett Bielema in here. Paddock comes in, does the three for three thing. But the main story of the line storyline of the game was stars being the stars. Jerzon Newton comes in in the second half and does Jerzon Newton things, getting in the face of the Greek gopher, Calicomanis. And you see the off, what offensively Illinois was able to do, getting the ball into Caden Feagan's hands, not only for the up-the-gut situations, but for some creative ways to get him the football, like for his touchdown pass that Luke Altmaier threw him. Isaiah Williams, uh, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this week. Um, He has the most receptions out of any Big Ten wide receiver. That includes the likes of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ibekwe of Ohio State. This is a Isaiah Williams that we haven't really seen too much. We've seen the screen pass Isaiah Williams. We've seen the out of the backfield Isaiah Williams. The bye week really helped Barry Lunny develop some schemes so Isaiah Williams could get things going vertically and down the fields. That's something that the Illinois offense has missed so much. So got to give credit to Barry Lunny, got to give credit to Isaiah, and I got to give credit to this offensive line for the Illini to do, do just enough for Illinois to crack this victory against Minnesota. Our offensive line, you know, was uh... – arguably one of the worst in P5 for the better part of the first season. And now it's worked its way up to, at the very least, average. And that's kind of all we were kind of hoping for at this point. You know, Caden Feagan has essentially 
been the reason for our turnaround. You know, uh, you and I, we've been kind of complaining week after week on what was the identity of this football team. What did they want to do? What what kind of team did we want to be? And ever since Fagan's uh, emergence, we kind of see we're a team that's going to get three yards, four yards, five yards on the first two downs, set ourselves up for an ideal play for Luke Altmaier to make on third down and just keep extending drives, keep extending drives. I know we won time possession against Minnesota. I think we had 150 more total yards uh, than Minnesota did. It's just because we played Bielema ball, which is exactly what we had been wanting, you know, uh, from the beginning. Reggie Love missed this game again. And, you know, we can talk about it a little later, but man, if you try to figure out who the player of this game was, you know, whether it's, you know, Paddock with a John Paddock game, uh, the John Paddock drive, uh, you can talk about Newton, who basically completely shut down the Minnesota offense almost solo. If you compare first half stats and second half stats, you have uh, another, it's Caden Fagan. I mean, this man, all, every other running back that we have was out and is uh, essentially out for the season right now. So we needed him to not just produce, we also needed him to stay healthy. And he absolutely did that. And, you know, catching a 54-yard screen pass and running it to, you know, get us six points. It's There's so many ways that you can talk about who the most important player of that game was. And, you know, again, Barry Lenny, he gets a lot of flack. And a lot of it at, you know, multiple points of the season was worth it. But right now... It's hard not to think that, you know, he's kind of built a system to the point where I think Illinois has the best offense in the Big Ten West. You know, yeah, I mean, abs- what was that? I mean, absolutely. You got to say that they yeah. have the best offense in the Big Ten West. I mean, 27 points. I, I got to look at the stat sheet. That's got to be a high of Big Ten West versus Big Ten West games and in the victory score. So, I mean, Luke Altmaier was 24 for 31 with three touchdowns and a single interception. Yes, the interception could have sealed the fate for Illinois if the defense didn't step up, but the defense did step up and gave the opportunity for Luke Altmaier. It ended up being John Paddock, but Luke Altmaier set Illinois up to be in this game. And then, of course, the big special teams play um, at the very, very beginning of the game. You can't forget about that, getting a first possession. That's something that Illinois has struggled with by striking early. I mean, you think back to the Purdue game, Illinois was the one who made that a big-time mistake to kind of turn the tide early on of what that game looked like against Purdue. This was the opposite. Illinois took advantage, and they scored on that first possession a true touchdown. So I, I'm pretty excited about uh, what this offense has done. And it's not just the offense. I watched that first half, and I was just like, here, this defense can't figure it out. You know, I get it. They're young. They're green. But it seemed like Minnesota was just completing long pass play after long pass play. But, you know, I don't know if it's all Newton, but as soon as that second half started, all of a sudden – the Illinois defense, you know, stepped up a notch. The guys were making plays in the backfield, as you talked about. The second to last, after Isaiah Williams' fumble, which was just heartbreaking for the kid because, you know, he's been playing his uh, butt off. Um, our, for our defense to be able to get the ball back almost – well, actually, no, they scored a touchdown. But um, uh, afterwards, like after we scored, to have them shut him down after uh, on four plays – it's like, this is what we wanted, you know, because it would have been a very 
Illinois story to score and then just end up scoring too early with 54 seconds left. We've seen that play yeah. out before against other teams where all of a sudden we'll play a prevent defense. You know, we'll rush three guys. That's not what Aaron Henry did. I think I'm pretty sure I counted on the rewatch five guys he was rushing. He, like, he did not lose the aggression on the last drive of the game, which is very, you know, not what coaches in the modern game do. And so, you know, first half I had some questions and issues with the defense. And, you know, this was a super high scoring affair for a big 10, two big 10 West teams in that first half. But uh, let's get us to the Pac-12. It's time. Let's go. We're <laughs> bring on we're playing the same game as Oregon. <laughs> bring on Washington. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's it's nice feeling this way. You know, it's a, you can give a game ball to Barry Liney Jr. You can give a game ball to Aaron Henry, as you talked about, our special teams like we're playing all well in all three facets of the game. And now, you know, I mean, at four wins, you know, all we need is two out of three. And we do have a pretty relatively favorable schedule, um, you know, to accomplish that feat. But what we don't want is to be on the high that we're sort of feeling right now and then go. We have Indiana coming to our place and lay an egg because then it's just going to be one of the same cycles over and over again. And, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. Brett's going to have our team ready. But we got to keep this positive momentum going in because, you know, technically the Big Ten West is not out of reach yet. I think we have like a 1.1% chance of winning, according to ESPN's FPI. So there's a chance uh, that that could happen. But, I mean, you think of bowl bowl game predictions, and Illinois is back in those articles. Um, I've seen the Las Vegas Bowl on CBS.com. That was be against USC, which just be kind of funny, knowing that they're coming into the conference next year. And then I've also seen uh, a rematch with Toledo in the Quick Lane Bowl um, in Detroit. So the fact that Illinois has put themselves back in this position is just incredible motivation by Brett Bielema, because I've seen a lot of Illinois teams just completely fall off the fall off the edge uh, whenever a big time loss has happened. So credit to Brett Bielema and his staff for keeping the fight for this Illini football team. And you think of what Illinois has in front of them. You got to take advantage of these of this Indiana and this Northwestern game. I know Indiana beat Wisconsin. I know Northwestern has been better than they initially anticipated beginning of the year, but Illinois in the past has done a great job of taking great big time games and rendered them meaningless uh, down the stretch. So hopefully this Minnesota win isn't one of those meaningless games that we thought was big at the time, uh, a la Penn state a few years ago and the like. So these next two games are going to be huge. These next three games are going to be huge and, Hell, Illinois could go three and zero in this final stretch, which would be incredible, crazy, but phenomenal. Can you imagine if uh, at the end of the season someone created a recap video of the season of Illini Cast, where at the first couple episodes we're talking about, you know, winning the Big Ten West, ten wins, nine wins. Halfway through, we're at two wins, and you, you, I, you claim that yeah, we're probably not going to win another game on the rest of the season, and now here we are again, <laughs> week ten or between week 10 and 11 and you're talking about going three and oh again to finish seven and five this is a roller coaster of being an illinois football fan you know we ride those ride highs we ride those lows it's uh it's you know it's been such an up and down season but you know it, it, it 
doesn't have to be a waste just yet. You know, getting those extra 15 practices uh, from making it to a bowl game would be huge for our secondary and our team um, going into next year because uh, right now we're going to need it. And uh, it's just nice, you know, we played the tough part of our schedule. Um, Iowa, Iowa's Iowa, I get it, but I don't think they look unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. We Again, we have an offense compared to the other teams that they're playing. So it's a simple matter of can we take care of business at home? Because Brett Bielema teams, we seem to have a pretty decent record of going on the road and stealing victories. You know, even this e- season doing it at uh, Maryland and now at Minnesota. But it's these home games that, you know, sometimes we just lay out clunkers and, you know, losing the Wisconsin at the uh, last minute. And we're, uh, I think, six and a half point favorites against Indiana. And, I mean, how nice would it feel if we just dominate this game? You know, let's keep it double digits, like play the way we thought uh, Illinois football was going to be playing all season long. Send Tom Allen to his next uh, career opportunity. And that'll set up some excitement for that game against Iowa, which, you know, from, I don't know if you saw the schedule update, uh, the Big Ten is using their, or the TV networks are using their TV flex for it. So that could potentially be the big noon game on Fox. And that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. I mean, you look at this, you look at this Illinois season coming up, that Indiana game, you're going to have Jerzon Newton the entire game. You're not going to have him for just the, the second half. So I think that'll be a built-in game changer. Plus, you're going to have Isaiah Williams playing with the most confidence he's ever played with in an Illinois uniform, which is scary to think about even because he's been so good with what he's been tasked to do. I mean, the fact that he got his touchdowns was just so gratifying to him, I'm sure, after all of this all season long, not having a single touchdown to his name this season to finally break through is going to be something to watch because I think it's going to have give trust for Luke Altmaier to throw him the ball downfield, knowing that he's going to make the play and it's just going to open up this offense so much. And we can open up the offense. You can ground and pound with Caden Fegan, who had a great game himself. It's, you know, just continuing to grow every week by week, you know, as I kind of kicked off the podcast saying that, Outside a very dumb penalty, Illinois football has played up to the abilities of all the best teams in the Big Ten West. And that's all you and I really projected at the beginning of the year. And sure, it's coming together a little late. And now those losses to Nebraska and Purdue, um, in particular Purdue, you know, sting a little bit more because, you know, you just kind of wonder what the heck happened. But the season's still salvageable. Um, you know, six and six is uh, in our sights. We just got to take care of business. And, you know, we were questioning the coaching staff a couple of weeks ago and whether, you know, they were the right people to play in the modern times and have our kids getting ready to play. But the performance that they've had the last couple of weeks, you know, whether it be after the bye, or, you know, again, having a good game against Wisconsin, the Maryland game, it's uh I'm really excited right now. I'm hoping I can keep this energy level the rest of the season and we can talk about whether we make Kalina cast uh, our premier season. You know, we make a little uh, a trip out to preferably Vegas as opposed to Detroit. That would be pretty awesome. I mean, <laughs> looking at the team stats in this Minnesota game, too, if you would have told me Illinois would have lost the turnover battle three to one, I would have been like game over. 
Um, if you would have told me that the penalties were four penalties for 33 yards for Illinois, that's great for Illinois standards, by the way, of how the season's gone. But Minnesota only have two penalties for 10 yards. I would have said it's going to be a long day at the office. But then I looked at this number right here. and I think this kind of tells the story of this game. Illinois on third down was nine for 17. This Illinois defense held Minnesota three for 12. That is definitive growth of this Aaron Henry defense. I know 26 points is a lot in the Big Ten West scheme of things, but the fact that they were three for 12 in an area that Illinois has struggled mightily in and during the non-conference play and against the likes of Purdue and Nebraska not being able to get off the field and then Wisconsin in the second half, three for 12 is a godsend. And I think that's big time story on why Illinois won this game. I get that it looks like uh, what's the name Cooper DeGene's going to probably win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I know Newbin gets a lot of talk, um, you know, for his credentials. And I know, you know, Newton gets his uh, time in the publicity too. But I just think anyone who's been watching Johnny Newton this season and sees like, is there any other lineman who's literally getting triple guarded? on every single play and still putting out the numbers that he is. It's I mean, there's Jonathan Hutchinson this year, so I, I think Jerzon has that claim of being the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten. And if not more than that, if not the country. You know, I know he doesn't have the size that, uh, you know, that's going to make him a immediate number one type of pick, but, I mean, I think any team that's able to get him in the top 10, top 15 – uh, of this upcoming draft is going to have a gem of a player because he is a complete workout workhorse out there. And you can see that he's one of those players that even when he's surrounded by players who aren't performing up to their abilities, it's not, it doesn't have an effect on him and his motor. He still performs to his capabilities every single hike of the football. And, you know, it's, it's going to be fun rooting for him uh, in, at the next level next year. And I credit to Randolph Jr. for leading the team tackles in the game. Uh, that was that's pretty huge. That it wasn't a linebacker or a secondary member, meaning that there were some close calls at the line of scrimmage, and Keith Randolph was able to get the job done, even with the absence of Jerzon Newton in that first half. So uh, credit to the Atlanta defense in the first half for even just holding up without that dominant force of Jerzon Newton and. Uh, that first half could have easily just told the story of what this Illini uh, football game could have looked like if Minnesota rallied, knowing that Jerzon Newton was out, scoring 21-7, to something along those lines. But the defense held up just enough to wait for the Jerzon Newton uh, comeback train to come in. And it came in. You know, it's... Uh... Again, it's a tale of two halves for the defense, but the defense really stepped up. As you talked about, yeah, 26 points uh, is a lot of points to give up, but 14 of those were very relatively quickly in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a shootout, apparently, in that first quarter, especially, um, it's funny, if you think about it, the Iowa-Northwestern game was on playing at the same time slot, so you saw one game, which, you know, was 7 nothing going late into the fourth quarter, and uh, we scored more points in the first, what, essentially three minutes of five, no, four or five minutes in the game than that game had in its entirety. <laughs> but 
You know, again, this is the Illinois, we have a good offense. We, You and I talked about it before, where the skill players are there. You know, yeah, we wish we could get more separation from our wide receivers, but I think what it looks like now is that, you know, while Reggie Love is a good complimentary running back, um, he's not Caden Fagan. And, you know, Caden Fagan uh, constantly putting us in favorable third down scenarios is letting Luke Altmeyer, who again, had another great game, in my opinion. You know, he was able to make key connections. Yeah, he had a couple turnovers, but that's going to happen, especially when you have a younger quarterback. Um, that last one, you know, he kind of was forced to do something. And don't get me wrong, he needs to learn to – I think he holds on to the ball a little bit too long sometimes, but it's his first season as a full-time starter. These are growing pains. What I'm glad to see is for the most part, there's not a lot of people on Illini Twitter saying, oh, you know, let's switch up starters. You know, it's let's just appreciate the John Paddock game for what it was. You know, it's it's a it's it's one of the reasons I love sports to begin with, like obviously with his great grandfather, his grandfather, his uh, uncle, all being uh, Illinois alums like that family gathering in the future. Now, John is going to have his own Illini story. You know, and let's yes. just appreciate that for what it is. Uh, and, you know, obviously um, we still want Luke um, taking the ball under center. Yeah, I mean, like, how many times have you seen it in baseball where a pinch hitter hits a big-time home run? Does that ultimately mean that pinch hitter is a better hitter than um, Albert Pujols or, uh, uh, I don't know, Derek Lee, whoever you want to go with? No. Um, it's just a great moment. I think Paddock had his moment and we can all, all appreciate it. Like you said, um, going back to the passing game a little bit more though. I mean, it was nice to see tip Ryman get going down the middle of the field with that touchdown, that 15 yarder. And I mean, you saw Pat Bryant get 18 yards, uh, a long catch as well as Casey Washington. So there was some explosive esque plays, uh, there to be had for Luke Altmeyer in this Illini offense. So, that was improved to more than I initially thought it would be against the likes of a Tyler Newbin led secondary. And we needed it because again, you know, we found out um, after the game, Aiden Lawfrey's out for the year. He's, uh, you know, having surgery. So we had, you know, what converted linebacker uh, Nick Fidenzo as our backup running back. Um, mm -hmm. You can see, we try to run a lot of screens to Isaiah Williams to kind of play a de facto backup running back. But again, this is all credit to Caden Fagan. You know, he did win uh, big 10 freshman of the week and he completely deserved it. The way we relied, relied on him being able to have uh, the receivers uh, and tight end, like you mentioned, uh, be able to complement the game that he was having so that the def Minnesota defense couldn't, completely zero in on Fagan and shutting him down. So it was such a, it was a really well-called game by Barry Lenny. And uh, it's nice, you know, it, it's, it's again, it, it's nice having this review episode and talk, complimenting our offense, complimenting our defense, uh, talking about how our, you know, special teams had a great game. And uh, again, I, I know I keep repeating myself, but I just want to keep moving this forward and uh, do this again in, in Indiana next week. Absolutely. Illinois favored by six and a half against Indiana in Champaign. That game will be at 11 a.m. on Big Ten Network. And we have a lot of basketball game tonight. If you're listening, it probably already took place. Um, but it's well noted that the Illinois basketball season 
will have officially begun by the time you're listening to this podcast. And uh, Sonny, what is your final preseason-esque thoughts on this Illini basketball team? I like our team. I'm going to, you know, unlike our football team, which we knew was going to be in kind of a transition year, uh, relying a lot on younger players who, you know, we, they lost a lot of the players that we were counting on originally from last year. This basketball team is a little bit different. You know, we got a lot of game experience on the court, and you kind of saw it against Kansas. Um, I think Brad Underwood has found his guys finally. Uh, it's not a matter of him just saying it. I think he's found the guys who actually do share the, the his sort of mentality. So I think, you know, regular season, we're a good team. Ultimately, I think I projected us out to the fourth seed. And uh, once we get to the – no fourth in the conference and then when we make it to the tournament i think we're about a four or five seed but finally underwood uh gets past or at least to the sweet 16. i'm gonna say a light eight yeah i mean stephen bardo on our episode with him got me jazzed when i asked him what the ceiling of this team is and he said final four that kind of made me open my eyes a little bit more because stephen just doesn't blow smoke about Illini. If you know Steven, if you've listened to Steven in the past, he is honest about what goes on in the orange and blue. And whenever you hear Final Four from a guy like that, it opens your eyes, and I can definitely see it. I, I think they are in that realm of a Final Four-like team. Yes, it all depends on what happens with a referee call in Elite Eight with one minute, 30 seconds to go, and that can determine your season. But I think Illinois has firmly put their spot in the in the way. So I, I think this is I think this could be just a, an incredibly special season with Marcus Damask uh being a special piece for this Illini team that not a lot of the country or conference knows about. And you look at the way they're gonna play. I think the passing ability of this team is going to help out with the shooting ability on this team as well. Because how many times last season were there so many junk shots that were being taken? I think that's the end of that this year. I think Terrence Shannon's going to get his couple uh, a game, but it's warranted because he's the stud. Um, so I'm just completely excited about the ceiling of this team. There's going to be some hard times. That January stretch is brutal. The four ranked non-conference games are brutal. But whenever you're a team with that much experience, it's all worth it uh, because in the NCAA tournament, that experience will shine through at the very end. You alluded to it earlier. Um, definitely, if you have not checked out the Stephen Bardo interview that we did a couple days ago for the basketball season preview, um, it got me amped up as well. You know, we're, we're very lucky to have a guest of that cal caliber and that knowledge level um, join us to talk about uh, not just Illinois basketball, but Big Ten basketball in general. And the good thing about this season is, like you also just said, we're going to find out very quick with some very intense matchups early in the season to see and gauge just how good we are. Um, if we can stay healthy, you know, we've got that big game against Marquette, uh, them coming into Champaign. That's going to be must-watch uh, television. they got a lot of talent coming back with a very red-hot head coach. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that our floor has risen so high in college basketball, considering what it was at the pre-Underwood levels. Um, you know, we can say somewhat relatively confidently, you know, that we're going to be playing in a tournament this year. Um, and most likely it's going to be the NTAA tournament. And so these big games are going to matter. 
You know, it's going to be nice to see our young players, our players in general, just get that game experience in super intense situations that are going to kind of simulate what it's going to feel like playing in uh, in March in those, you know, uh, first round, second round of the NCAA tournament, because that experience matters. And more than ever, I think right now it matters. And Underwood is not shy about scheduling a tough schedule. Um I've said before, I don't think he cares as much for, to win the regular season title for the Big Ten. I think he's done it. Um, he's, you know, he still has the most wins of any Big Ten coach in the last five or six years. Um, I think he's gearing this team up for the postseason. I'm, you know, very excited to see uh, where we end up. I mean, it's kind of crazy where Brad Underwood is uh, from his peers that were hired at the same time as him in the Big Ten. I mean, you look at uh, Archie, Archie Miller, correct, or Sean Miller of Indiana? One one of the Millers. Uh, that was Archie. Sean Miller was yes. Arizona. Yes, Archie Miller of Indiana and and Ohio State's coach as well. They were all hired at the same time as Brad Underwood, and Brad Underwood has lapped both of them, which is kind of unreal to think of with the expectations that were applied to all three whenever they first got hired. So Holtman of Ohio State. So I mean, it's just incredible what Illinois has been able to accomplish recruiting wise and on the court backing that up. And I think they have another alpha this year with Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, like they had with Io and like they had with Kofi. I think he is going to make noise in the Big Ten and uh, more than likely be that final top five in the uh, all conference team. And it's, you know, I think if Terrence can be that alpha that we want him to be, I think we have enough secondary players. Like if uh, our second best player on one night has an off night, we have a third, a fourth, a fifth guy to, you know, step up and take uh, their place. So that's kind of what makes me so excited about this team. Uh, You and I talked about in our basketball season preview about who's going to be the second leading scorer. And we named three, four, five guys because right now we don't know. But that yeah. attributes the to the you know the how deep our basketball team is this season. You know whether it's Garrier, whether it's Domas, Coleman Hawkins, Justin Harmon was brought in to score buckets for us. It's uh it's going to be a fun watch. You know night in and night out, and uh, it starts off tonight against Eastern Illinois. And you know if we all all of a sudden lose this game, then. You know, <laughs> that'll be very typical Illinois, but I, I can't see back that. on the roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is going to be an exciting year and I can't wait to watch it at seven o'clock. See the first signs of Illinois basketball and real basketball, not in an exhibition style like it was against Kansas. But Sonny, I'm wearing my Cubs gear. I know we're not a Cubs podcast. We're not a baseball podcast, but we're both Cub fans and. The Cubs made the biggest acquisition of the offseason so far. They fired David Ross and hired Milwaukee Brewer manager Craig Council in a back-to-back move, and I was floored. I was floored by it. I saw the buzz about Craig Council picking his uh, new job like he was a, like a, a recruiter in the transfer portal, and then the reports come out that he comes with comes to the Chicago Cubs and I could not be completely more floored than I am right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
it, the the order might have been reversed. It seems like we hired counsel first, and then we decided to fire David Ross. Yeah, but uh, you know, this is eerily remnant of what happened a few years back when Joe Madden got out of his uh, contract with the uh, Devil Rays uh, because I think their GM had taken the job at uh, in LA, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, we heard out of nowhere that you know uh, we fired. Uh, what's the name? Renteria at the time. Rick, and then Rick Renteria. Rick Renteria. That's right. Rick Renteria uh, hired Joe Madden, you know, completely unexpected. Same thing happened this year. You and I, you know, we, we kind of texted back and forth. Uh, you're, we're not exactly the biggest fans of David Roth's, uh, his managerial abilities. You know, obviously he's meant a lot to the Cubs organizations. He's had a lot of key moments and he's going to be remembered for a very, very long time. But I mean, what a home run this was! You know, this this yeah. was the Chicago Cubs to me showing that they're serious about being a contender moving forward. Um, not only did they hire, you know, arguably top five manager in baseball, but they paid him more than any manager has been paid before in the history of the sport, and that shows that you know, hey, that move doesn't make sense. If you're not ready to spend some serious money to upgrade your weaknesses on your roster uh, as is. So, you know, just as it's one of those where as a Cubs fan, if this is kicking off the offseason, I'm really looking forward to seeing what else we're going to do, because no longer do I think it's going to be a complacent offseason. I think that, you know, a lot of the big names we are kind of hearing about, um, those are genuine attempts that we're going to try to make. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Cubs don't have the financial flexibility to be like, all right, we're getting Otani, we're getting Soto, we're getting Bellinger, all of these guys. But I think you can start to maybe make a puzzle piece of what multiple moves could look like for this offseason because Craig Council isn't a guy that messes around. He's not a guy that's going to go to a rebuilding organization just because they paid him the most money. Um, I think this is a play that he feels like he can win a championship uh, for the Chicago Cubs. And I think you can start talking about pairing a Bellinger with a Otani or a Bellinger with a Soto trade. I think those multiple moves or Bellinger and Aaron Nola, I think those are the kind of moves that you can start to anticipate uh, for the Cubs because they have a lot of prospect capital right now. They have a lot of dollars to spend and, Uh, a manager that is going to put his players in the best position alongside that star power. I mean, I was shocked about Joe Madden. It felt like there was, that was like weeks leading up though. This one just fell out of complete sky. Like the fact that me and a group message were chatting about like the possible Yankees as a destination for Craig council, just because of uh, Aaron Boone's situation and the money that they have, the Cubs were jokingly on my radar because I was like, (laughs) <laughs> I even tweeted out like five minutes before the news broke, like, hey, what if they just told David Ross to pack his bags? And then they told David Ross to pack his bags. <laughs> but I know I wasn't the biggest fan of David Ross, but I do want to thank him for everything that he did in 2016 and kind of building the confidence levels of the younger players in the organization, at least showing them how to be great major leaguers. And I don't think you get some of the growth for like a Nico Horner without the likes of David Ross uh, mentoring him. So it is kind of going to be challenging, I'm sure, in the clubhouse to kind of talk about this move because the clubhouse 
liked David Ross so much, but I feel like Craig Council, being a former player as well, he'll understand how to go in that situation and uh, discuss his strategy with his team. So what an unbelievable shift of how you can focus on Cubs baseball this offseason. You knew it was going to be somewhat big, but this kind of opens the floodgates to all of your wildest fantasies coming true about this roster. Yeah, and we know now apparently we have 21 extra million to spend in this offseason. I'm not sure what uh, Marcus Stroman and his agent were thinking. I thought, uh, you know, signing up uh, for that player option was a no-brainer, but him essentially declining that, and I someone reported that uh, the Cubs are going to go in a different direction moving forward uh, from Stroman, and they're not going to be bringing him back. You know, again, just gives us more of that financial flexibility to – you know, make a play for the Sotos, the Otanis, you know, Alfonso is a name that's linked with us constantly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it would have been tough that if Stroman locked in, uh, came back, and we were talking extension with Hendricks like we have been, that kind of limits the rotation spots that we had when we obviously still need a clear upgrade. But now with Stroman, you know, declining and becoming a free agent, that gives us that flexibility to, you know, make that big boy move in finding an arm that we obviously just made with our manager hiring. You know, this is not, this is tough. You know, David Ross in some ways is a Cubs legend uh, moving forward. And yeah, you know, his uh, managing abilities were critiqued on almost on a nightly basis, but, you know, on a, on a high level, you know, this is kind of bad juju what we did to David Ross. You know, he he's always been a company man, a team guy. But this was a move that, you know, the Yankees would make. A team who can who has financial might, who is just basically, a, you know, a, a cutthroat organization who's just trying to win. And that's all you and I really want. You know, we know we have the resources. Uh, what you and I we weren't always sure about was whether the team and organiz- organization was trying to win. And this move out of nowhere today, I mean, again, I think a tweet was released, you know, that uh, Craig Council was going to coach for a team that already had a manager. Yeah. Someone tweeted that. You know, the group chats went crazy. I'm thinking, again, nobody thought it was the Cubs. I joked around in my uh, group chat, you know, it'd be nice if it was the Cubs. And then not six or seven minutes later, Ken Rosenthal announces, you know, it's uh, he's going to be the Cubs uh next manager and you know it's got cub sweater going crazy i'm excited for the hire i think it's the absolute right hire it, it gives me madden vibes which is you know a, a, nothing but a good thing and uh you know as we just talked about it it, it kicks off the off season an off season where i was unsure if we we're going to be as aggressive as i think we need to be I think our first move was as as aggressive as can be, and I think that move only makes sense if we're about to kind of flex some of the financial resources that we've been kind of hoarding up the last couple of seasons and, you know, get ourselves to a top five, top six payroll in baseball and, you know, have the best team moving forward next year. Absolutely. I can't wait for this offseason to develop a little bit. It's going to be a great one. Sonny, I want to thank you for a great episode of the Illini cast talking about a lot of great things. Cubs, Illini basketball and Illini football now back in the bowl picture. It's sports heaven right now. So 
Keep following us, Cast at Sunny V at the Sunny V on Twitter for him at AB1132 for me and at Cast of, of course, to get all of the podcasts right into your Twitter feed. Uh, Sunny, it has been a great chat with you, and I can't wait to talk more Illini sports with you. Yep. Uh, make sure you check out the Stephen Bardo uh, interview that we just released this week. Uh, we'll have our Indiana preview coming up this season. And uh, we can title this one the Feel Good episode because they're all positive vibes uh, in the 40 minutes we were talking today. Absolutely. Sonny, it's been a good one. All right, Austin. Awesome.